Is your diet ruining your diet? That is the theme of today's podcast episode. I've split this into two parts. This is part one and it contains five questions where your diet might actually be tripping you up and causing you to stumble rather than progress. So take a listen, hope it helps. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the She Is podcast. This is episode three and today we're going to talk about is your diet ruining your diet? So I hope that you've had a great day so far, wherever you are. I have said good morning here. It might not even be morning when you're listening to this. But here it is. What time is it? 22.10 in the morning and it is blowing an absolute hooli out there. It's so windy. So if you can hear a whole load of background noise, we also have builders in next door. Um, not in our house, the neighbours. And there's a lot of noise. So I'm hoping that my very clever posh mic is going to do its job and just pick up my voice and nothing else. But if you can hear it, I hope it's not too distracting for you today. Um, I'm also reminding myself today to take a breath (laughs) and slow down because I'm aware that I'm speaking quite fast today and I'm a a little bit um, sped up, shall we say. And I think that's because yesterday I dropped quite a vulnerable post on social media, which has left me a little bit on edge. So I have to remind myself to take deep breaths. So if you hear me, stop and do box breathing on this podcast. I'm going to go with it so I can stay relaxed and and talk to you efficiently. Um, If you do want to go and have a nosy, please do. Um, I will be running a series of podcasts based on that post. I'm not going to tell you what it's about because I don't want to take away from this podcast, but I will be doing future episodes around that because I think it's really going to help you. But anyway, I am going to split today's podcast actually into two parts. I originally intended to do this as one episode, but because there are 10 different points, it would take a bit longer than I would like. You know, I know that a lot of you ladies listen on a walk when you are maybe commuting to work, whether you're multitasking around the house and you maybe don't have 50, 60 minutes to listen to a long episode of me babbling on. So I'm going to split it into two. So today's episode, I've got five points around that topic of is your diet ruining your diet? And when I talk about the word diet, Sometimes I'm going to be referring to, I guess, people who are dieting for fat loss or weight loss, but this also applies to people who might be trying to eat a more nutritious diet without working towards fat loss. Maybe you are just wanting to support your own health and well-being and you might, you know, use that word. So when I use the word diet, it, it kind of covers both sides. I guess it's relating to how you eat. Is how you eat ruining how you eat is another way that I could phrase this. But many of the points will probably relate to the fat loss side of things a little bit more and it will make sense as we go. So the first question that I'm going to ask because I've got five questions. Is your diet resulting in you thinking of foods as good or bad? Really common one this, isn't it? And one that we are probably all guilty of at times. I think... You know, I'm a woman in her late 30s and I grew up with foods being labelled as good and bad. In the deep, dark depths of diet culture, it's ingrained into us, isn't it? And whilst we can't deny there are foods that are more nutritious 
and foods that are less nutritious in the way of nutritional value and what they supply our body with, using the labels, the good and bad labels, it's not helpful. And it's actually more of a hindrance than being helpful. You know, I was chatting to a lady yesterday, a lovely lady on a call, and this comes up quite a lot. And she said to me, oh, you know, I know that we don't call foods good or bad, but maybe subconsciously I still am. And that's probably really true for so many people. We kind of know now that food doesn't have moral value. We know that food can't be good and it can't be bad, but it just becomes easier to label it that way. And even if we know we're not meant to use that language and it's not helpful language, we kind of still don't know it internally. We don't believe it. We still internally believe that foods are good and bad. Foods are good and bad for us. And then sometimes we can even internalize that a little bit more and make it mean something about us. So it can go from, I've just eaten a bad food to I'm a bad person because I've eaten a bad food. And that's what we want to avoid. So whilst on the surface, you know, calling a food good or bad might seem a bit harmless, it's probably tripping you up more than you think. When we label foods good or bad, especially bad, right, we often attach shame and guilt to those things. We can often eat foods that we deem bad with a mindset of, I shouldn't be doing this, this isn't good for me. I should feel ashamed for eating this food. And honestly, without us even realising, attaching the moral value to food is having a greater impact than we think. If we take the example, right, of broccoli and chocolate, they're always, they seem to be the examples that I use quite a lot because I, I love broccoli and I love chocolate. We would be lying if we said that chocolate has more nutritional value than the broccoli, all right. Now, especially if you're coming at this from a fat loss perspective, you probably know that broccoli, you're going to get a lot more broccoli, a lot more fiber, a lot more food in your tummy from that broccoli than the chocolate. Also, we probably know if we are doing fat loss that the chocolate is going to be higher in sugar, higher in fat, higher in potentially additives. Um, and obviously it's going to have a lot more calories than the broccoli would in equal amounts. So I can understand why we then look at the chocolate and think, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't have that and I should have the broccoli. We have to be realistic here and we have to remember that if we are focusing on fat loss or health, just eating chocolate isn't going to be beneficial for us. But there's still a place for it in our nutrition, and in order for us to find a place for that food in a healthy way, then we have to remove those labels. Because whilst chocolate might not bring as much in the way of nutritional value to our diet as broccoli, it still brings a whole lot of other stuff under that umbrella of health, right? Chocolate tastes amazing. I say to people all of the time, why do you think you have taste buds? We were created with taste buds for a reason. We taste sweet, salty, sour foods. Textures and tastes, which I'm going to come on to on another point, are really, really important. So when you maybe think, oh, you know, chocolate and giving my body chocolate's like not good for me, it's not serving me in any way, it's probably serving you in more ways than you realise. And especially if we are eating chocolate in an empowered way, which that's my goal, I want to get you to that then it can bring a whole load of different elements. 
whether it's chocolate, a chocolate ice cream with the kids and you're enjoying that together. There's a real social and connection part of that that's adding to our health and well-being. Um, when it comes to the psychological stuff, right, I know emotional eating gets a really bad rap. And of course, we don't want to be relying on emotional eating all of the time. Sometimes it's okay and it's actually okay to have a bit of chocolate as a bit of a coping mechanism here and there. Of course, we don't want to re rely on that all of the time, but it's actually like food is to be enjoyed and we can enjoy that when we feel all sorts of different emotions, when we're happy, sad, excited. And I think that when we place that label on what we deem as a bad food, all it does is perpetuates that feeling of guilt and shame and fear around that food, like we shouldn't be doing it. And it does not help. It keeps us stuck in that cycle and it actually causes us to make disempowered decisions around food because whenever we enjoy a bad food, we think we shouldn't be and it's just not helpful. So whilst you know it and you might not really fully believe it, I really want you to work hard on practicing that. Catching yourself when you're entering that headspace, catching your language when that word comes out of your mouth and maybe just try using more nutritious, less nutritious and understanding that if a food is less nutritious, it's still okay. It's okay to have less nutritious foods as part of your diet. All right. So point number two, because I don't want to make this last forever. Okay. Is your diet leaving you tired and hungry? So we often see this quite a lot when people go hard and they drop calories really low or they give themselves a really strict plan to follow because they want fast results, right? People often just want to get a diet done. They don't want to be where they are. They want to be where they want to be. And if they can get there in the fastest way possible, of course, I can understand why we then make things harder than we can cope with sometimes. And the problem is if your diet is leaving you hungry, which you will be hungry if you cut down calories far too low or you don't take in enough food, then that will probably result in you overeating at some point due to hunger. And whilst we can expect a little bit of hunger when you are doing fat loss because you are in a calorie deficit, you will feel slightly different than when you are eating at maintenance or in a surplus we still don't want to be absolutely hangry to the point where it's really uncomfortable we can't sustain it because we'll end up overeating so if your diet is too extreme you are going to end up hungry and then you will go the other way so that's one way that your diet can ruin your diet the same to be said of being tired all right when we are in a calorie deficit, get my words out properly, essentially we are not giving our body the calories that it wants, all right? You are restricting, we can't deny that, right? You are restricting your body of the energy that it would like. That's when it's going to use your fat stores. But when we do that, it can be really easy then to become tired, fatigued, lack concentration, lack energy. So it kind of works in the same way as the hunger element, right? Which is why I've grouped them together because we just want to create a deficit that is manageable. We want to create um, 
enough of that calorie deficit so that you can lose body fat, that you can make progress, but you are not left absolutely exhausted. Because once you are exhausted, who eats when they're tired? Hello. One of my biggest triggers is being tired. And if you're tired, you're not going to have the energy to train. You're not going to have the energy to work out. If you're tired, you're more prone to stress. Who knows that when they get stressed, they don't uh, manage to regulate their emotions as well. They can end up turning to food. So it all just becomes a vicious cycle. So make sure your diet, whether it's fat loss, whether it's just eating for health, make sure that you are not being left tired and hangry because of it, because you are ending up shooting yourself in the foot with that. Okay, let me grab a sip of water. I'm going to move away from the mic so you, hopefully you can't hear me gulp. One day, I will have a posh podcast editor to take out all of these bits. Um, to be fair, my husband could probably do it, but um, he's got enough to do. All right, number three. So this is, I touched on this point earlier on. Is your diet leaving you unsatisfied? That is slightly different than hunger. And I'm going to talk a little bit more around this. Have you ever done a diet? I'm saying have you ever. I bet you all have. Where you eat so much vegetables or so many vegetables, really high protein. Maybe you think, oh my gosh, this is so much food. This is actually more food than I'm used to eating. I can't finish it all. Often because you're eating food that's higher in fiber, higher in volume. So you're getting a lot more bang for your buck when it comes to food. And your tummy gets full, but you're not satisfied. So once you finish that meal, you still want something else. Even though your tummy feels quite full, even maybe really bloated, you still want something else. Don't confuse this with like, I suppose you could relate it, but do you know when sometimes people talk about they've got a separate stomach for dessert? <laughs> because often we can be craving something else when we've finished a meal. And I guess these two things have a bit of crossover. But I'm more so talking about when you feel really unsatisfied after a meal, even though you are no longer hungry in your tummy, you just feel like, actually, I haven't really enjoyed that meal. It wasn't very tasty. I don't feel satisfied and I'm still thinking about food. That can happen when we don't think about satiety. And fullness and satiety are actually different things. When it comes to satiety and feeling satisfied after a meal... We have to be mindful of a few things, right? Because satiety is not just a full tummy. Satiety comes from taste, flavour, texture of food, mouthfeel, crunch, all of these different sensory parts of eating as well. So for me, I really, really like crunch in my food. That really helps me with satiety. I really like to chew food. I like really chewy food. It's definitely a sensory seeking behavior from me, but that helps me to feel satisfied. So if I had something like soup by itself, even if it was like the highest calorie soup in the world, I probably would still feel quite unsatisfied because I like to chew something. All right. It's the same like when people maybe do shake diets they might not feel physically hungry because they've taken that food in, but they miss chewing. They miss um, that texture in their mouth. And that is part of satiety. 
So I want you just to be mindful of your meals. And as much as we want to keep things simple at times when it comes to fat loss, because we probably don't want to make a whole load of fancy recipes and confuse ourselves and make it complicated. If you are finding yourself unsatisfied and then overeating because you're craving stuff, take a look at your meals. Do they have a mixture of flavour in there? Are you using herbs and spices and seasonings? Another thing to watch out for is using like using the low-fat versions of everything. Whilst that might save you in calories, is that then shooting you in the foot because you are left unsatisfied? I, um, a couple of weeks ago, tried this really like low-fat cheese just out of curiosity because I like to research things and see what flavours are like and textures. And have you ever noticed sometimes if you buy the low-fat or the lower-calorie version of something, you just have double? <laughs> And you're like, oh, well, like I need more of it because it's not as satisfying and it's not as strong tasting. So again, not a hard and fast rule, but just something to be really mindful of if you're struggling to feel satisfied after food. Once you've finished a meal, really, we want you to be able to crack on with your day, not be thinking about food all afternoon. Hopefully you've met the needs of your taste buds. Okay, let's move on. Number four. Is your diet resulting in you eating all of your calories just because you can? Oh, this one. I've definitely been guilty of this one in the past. You know, sometimes you might have a calorie target and let's just say 2000 calories. All right. And let's say you've eaten across that day 1800. That's right. Yeah. 1800. Um, and you're full. You've had your three meals, you've had snacks, you've enjoyed a bit of this here and there until you open MyFitnessPal or NutriCheck and you think, oh, hang on a minute, I've still got 200 calories left. I'm going to use them, even though technically your body isn't really hungry and you then eat more because you can. Really, really, really common, especially if you've been dieting for a long time or tracking your calories for a long time, because we get used to trusting the numbers that you put in an app instead of your body. And this is not me hating on calorie tracking. It is a useful tool, but I see it become a problem when you start to trust the numbers and what my fitness pal is telling you over what your body is telling you. And when we are so used to dieting or so used to tracking calories all of the time, it takes away a lot of trust that we have within our body. And we start to look at numbers and macros and protein targets instead of thinking about what our body feels like. So I want you to really think about that as well. Do you know when you're feeling hungry? Do you recognize the signs in your tummy? Do you know when you feel full? I would say that's trickier for people. Often we know we feel hungry, but we don't know when we're full. We don't know when we're satisfied. Those two different things that I've just talked about because we're looking at numbers. So just maybe one day, if you are someone who's tracking a lot, try not tracking a meal. Trying like for a day, trust your hunger and fullness, which might be really, really hard to trust. Maybe I've used the wrong language there, but explore it, should I say. Get curious with that for one day and just think about the sensations in your body. Because at some point, I'm guessing that you don't really want to be tracking your calories forever. So then... At that point, we do need to learn to trust our body and to be able to read our body's signals. So I would always encourage people to do that alongside calorie tracking if that's a method that you've picked. So 
if you have some calories left over and you're hungry, absolutely, like, use use your calorie allowance. But just be mindful. Am I eating because I want food here and I need food here? Or is it because my fitness pal says I've got some in the tank? Okay. Last point. Last point. Number five. This is my favourite one. This is my favourite one. And this is probably the, the biggest... What's the word? The biggest challenge, I guess, that I see women face, especially when it comes to a dieting mindset and probably one of the biggest causes of a diet ruining a diet, and that is a scarcity mindset. So this question, is your diet breeding a scarcity mindset around food? And what I mean by that is, do you always feel like you're in lack? Do you always feel like the food that you might allow on occasion isn't going to be there for long. So for example, if you say, oh, I'm not going to have chocolate this week because I can't control myself around it. And you might manage all week to not have chocolate because you avoided the staff room. You haven't bought it on your weekly shop and it's not in the house. You know, you've managed to say no whenever you've been presented with it and you've managed to have willpower for that for five days. But what happens when it gets to the weekend and you relax, maybe you're with your kids, maybe you do something social and then that food that you've been trying to avoid all week is available. You probably then think, oh, I'll have a little bit. Go on, I'll have a little bit. I'll have just a bit. But as soon as you've had a bit, you feel guilty. You lose control. You've had the taste of it. It's a novelty, right? Because it's something you're not usually allowed because you've already told yourself that you can't trust yourself around that food, you don't allow it, because that's easier to have that control. But then when you break that, and you have a bit, and it goes more, 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 we end up overeating the food, we think we've screwed it, oh, already messed up my diet now, and then that's it, we fall off what we call the wagon, we're off it, that all or nothing mindset, and we probably then continue the rest of the weekend eating whatever we want, got to make the most of it, let's get a Domino's, let's get a Chinese, I'm going to eat past fullness, absolutely stuff my tummy, have dessert, even though I don't really want it because it's there and it's not going to be there on Monday. Been there, been there, been there. So this is not a criticism, it comes from a place of I really understand this. Um, And it's hard, right, because I totally can see why when you want results... You think, I'm just not going to keep it in the house because then I can't have choice, like it's taken away. But then you can't avoid being in a position of not having choice all of the time. At some point, you will have to make a choice because you will be in an environment that you are not in control of. You will be in a situation where that food is there, right? And you might think, oh, well, that's just out of my system now. I'm not even tempted, I've maybe seen that happen on a small handful of occasions and it's still not permanent. Honestly, most of the time, it is so hard to maintain. The problem happens, right? Food becomes that novelty. It becomes a novelty because you never allowed it. And then when you are allowed it, you've got to have your fill. So that's how that diet cycle continues and it keeps you stuck in that diet, right? Because you're banning foods and then you overeat them and then you ban them and then you overeat them. So I guess the next step here 
is thinking about working on your relationship with food. And I probably would use this opportunity to say that if you are consistently finding yourself in this binge restrict pattern and you're regularly over overeating, the scariest thing, I know, and you won't like me saying this, but honestly, the best thing for you, short term and long term, is to stop dieting. Take yourself out of a calorie deficit. Try and focus on fueling your body well. There's a, a huge process, I guess, that we could talk about here, but I don't have time to go through all of that. But we want to start building trust around food. Now, I had a conversation again with a lady who said, and this is all the time, And but this conversation yesterday, she said, well, if I allow myself this food, I'll just eat all of it. I'm not going to lie, at first you might. It's highly likely that when you stop dieting and you allow yourself to have those foods that you've been fighting against for so long, you're highly likely to overeat it for a bit. And that's when people freak out and they go back into excessive control and they cut the food out again because they're almost like proving themselves right. But that's the tricky bit that I need you to hold yourself through if you're working on your relationship with food, right? That that middle bit where, oh, I've overeaten again, I've overeaten it, I lost control around that food. It's probably going to happen in the early days, but that's just your body saying, wow, like this has been restricted for so long, I can eat it now. And you're going to be like a kid in a sweet shop for a bit, right? But can you hold that vision, right? Because eventually that novelty will wear off. It will just become not a big deal. You will soon be able to eat those foods in moderation. You will soon be able to just eat that food. You'll be able to say no to the food when you don't actually want it because you will start to eat from a place of empowerment, from desire rather than a rule that's dictating when you can and can't have a certain food. All right. And I know that that's a big topic. I know that it's really scary because the middle bit and the bit where you start to allow yourself to be in the presence of those foods and eat them, it it can feel really, really hard. And I will not deny that, which is why I think coaching around relationships with food is so, so important to have someone support you through that stage. And often you can think of health and fitness coaches as, oh, I just need someone to keep me on track and make sure I've kept foods out of the house. It's definitely not what I'm going to do with you. (laughs) I'm going to help you build that trust. I'm going to support you through those trickier times when you feel like this feels like it's going against everything I've ever done. But if you want to get to a place where you can take or leave the chocolate, you can get there. Most people think, oh, I just love it too much. I'll never be able to do that. It's a lie. It just feels hard at the moment because it's scarce and there's that scarcity mindset. And once you have an abundance mindset around food and you know it's not going anywhere, you know that you don't have to restrict it again. You know that it's Monday and if you want to have a square of chocolate, you can. You can have a bar of chocolate and it's giving yourself that unconditional permission to eat. It is going to make such a difference for you when it comes to your diet, your way of eating. So those are the first five points that I wanted to talk around today and I hope that it's been useful. 
Um, there's another five to come so that will come on part two of is your diet ruining your diet but as always if anything came up for you in this podcast if you have questions you can always reach out you can dm me on instagram you can email me you should find the details in the show notes and yeah i'd love to hear your comments and questions so until next time have the best day and i will speak to you soon bye